When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Charts at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. Hi, Katie. How are you? Hi, Keith. Doing great. How about yourself? I am okay. Great. I'm all right. I, 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 sh- I, I never have anything super snappy back. I have to say, not feeling too snappy in this country right now, if I'm being honest. Not to get into politics, but just kind of like some heavy news, even in the Billboard world. I want to point out that Katie desperately never wants to talk about current events and pop, like politics in this show. I don't, but what I will say is I, I helped cover the BET Awards on Sunday night, and for their In Memoriam segment, they started the segment out with Roe v. Wade. Whoa. Yeah. Yikes. And then they ended it with victims of shooting violence. So they just went there. BET is just like, by the way, we let's are just n- hit all the all the hot spots. Um, well, there is your Roe v. Wade coverage yes. for the pop shop this yes. week. Because as always, the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news on how Drake and Beyonce dance up a storm on (laughs) Billboard's charts. Uh, Drake's new dance and house music-focused album, Honestly Nevermind, debuts atop the Billboard 200 chart, which is his 11th number one, and it also starts at number one on the Top Dance Electronic Albums chart. Plus, Drake's Jimmy Cooks featuring 21 Savage debuts at number one on the all-genre Billboard Hot 100 chart, his 11th number one there. Meanwhile, Beyonce's new throwback 90s pop house single, Break My Soul, arrives in the top five on the Hot Dance Electronic Songs chart, and in the top 15 on the all-genre Billboard Hot 100. Also on the show, we're talking about Taylor Swift's song, Carolina, recorded for the new film Where the Crawdads Sing, and whether it could land Taylor her first-ever Oscar nomination. You might be surprised to learn how many other film songs she's written in the past that could have been up for Oscars, but have not so far. We'll get into all that in a second. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. Okie dokie, let's do the chart chat. This whole chart chat could just be 
Drake's Hot 100 records, but continue. There's a lot. There's 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 a lot. As as always, as is always the case, there's a lot of uh, chart news around Drake. Yes. And so much that we're not going to actually say. We all can't of it. say it all, but it's on Billboard.com. Go it's check on it out. Billboard.com. Please go give us a click. <laughs> Keep the lights on here at Billboard. Well, first up, Drake's honestly never mind debuts atop the Billboard 200 albums chart, dated July 2nd giving the superstar his 11th number one. The surprise release was announced on June 16th, and the album dropped at midnight on June 17th, so he gave everyone less than 24 hours notice. That's right. So it's sort of a surprise. Yeah. I mean, for Pseudo him. Pseudo surprise. For him, it's a luxurious advance warning. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, the album is kind of a sonic left turn from the hip-hop giant, as it is... To quote previous Billboard stories that have described the set, quote, almost entirely composed of moody electronic atmospherics and body moving dance floor heat, okay. end quote, and quote, leans on the house music scene, end quote, with collaborations from, quote, seven <laughs> house music producers with varying degrees of mainstream fame, end quote. <laughs> uh, put all that, that's that's also in my story on uh, Billboard.com. Uh, Drake becomes the fifth act with more than 10 number one albums on the Billboard 200 chart since the list began regularly publishing on a weekly basis in 1956. He joins the Beatles, who lead with a record 19 number ones, Jay-Z, who has 14, and Bruce Springsteen and Barbara Streisand, who each also have 11. Honestly, Nevermind launches with 204,000 equivalent album units earned in the United States in the week ending June 23rd, of course, according to Luminate. And streaming activity powered 94% of the album's first week sum. Wow. Also, I noted this in my story. I'll briefly say it. The album's songs or the album's tracks generated 250 million on-demand official streams hmm. in the U.S. in its first week. And about 26% of those streams came from just two songs. Oh, wow. Jimmy Cook's and Sticky, which are the two most rap-forward tracks on the effort. See, this is where, to our conversation last week... Rap fans were looking for, for new the, Drake, and they were looking specifically for the hip hop songs. Yeah, and the and those are the two rap tracks yep. basically. Every, yep. I mean, everything else is kind of housey, dancey R and B, and those are the two very distinctly rap tracks. Yep. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the coming weeks if if the the album finds kind of new fans that maybe aren't like core Drake fans, or maybe the fans of Drake were just like maybe p- initially disappointed with the album because it wasn't what they were expecting and maybe they'll circle back they'll around. They'll glom onto those songs or the poppier things will Become get new puppets. life at radio. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's... it just More life at radio. More life. <laughs> get it? More life? <laughs> um, all right. Well, honestly, Nevermind also debuts at number one on Billboard's top dance electronic albums, top R&B hip-hop albums, and top R&B albums charts. Drake's world. We're just living mm-hmm. in it. Next up, staying with Drake, he places 13 new songs from the album on the all-genre Billboard Hot 100 chart. And there are 14 tracks on the album, so yeah, one, just one. Yeah, one of them was like a 36-second 
intro track. So uh, the two highest charting songs are the album's two most rap forward tracks, which I mentioned just a second ago. Jimmy Cooks featuring 21 Savage, which debuts at number one on the Hot 100, and Sticky, which bows at number six. Drake also logs a third new top 10 this week with the album's opening song, Falling Back, at number seven. Which is the one I mentioned on last week's show as being the one I'd heard playlisted the most. And that's the one that has the official music video that came out during the first week as well. Yep. Uh, Drake now ties, sorry, Drake now takes his count of Hot 100 hits to a staggering record-extending 276. (laughs) Unless Glee comes back. He's going to have a pretty solid hold on that one. Yeah. Um, (laughs) His count of top 10 songs now rises to a record-extending 58, and he now has 11 number ones. Oh, who is he close to to, uh, matching next, Keith, with 12 number ones on the Hot 100? Shut up. (laughs) Incredibly, only two acts have had more than 10 number one albums on the Billboard 200, and 10 number one hmm. songs on the Billboard Hot 100. So what other artist, Katie, has had 11 or more number one albums and 11 or more number one hits on the Hot 100? Well, my first guess is the Beatles. It is the Beatles. Okay. 20 number ones on the Hot 100 and 19 number one albums on the Billboard 200. And then uh, my next guess well, is... That's it. There's only one other. Oh, that there's the one? Beatles. Okay, I was going to say, like, man, this is, good. this is a hard one. Yeah, it's just two acts, the Beatles <laughs> and Because I can think of all the people that have a lot of number one albums and they do not have a lot of number one songs. Nope. Just Drake and the Beatles. Drake and Paul McCartney have never collaborated, have they? That would be great. I would love that. Maybe when he has 19 Hot 100 number ones and he's going for the 20th, he will collab with Paul. So Paul will get one more, but the Beatles will still stay the same. Kanye's worked with Paul, though. Yes. I mean, four or five seconds and Rihanna. It could happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's I would say four or five seconds made it seem like, yeah, Paul can totally be on a hit song. And after this kind of sonic left turn for Drake, anything is possible. Yeah, let's get an 80 year old at number one on the Hot 100, y'all. Oh, my God. Let's make it happen. <laughs> can Madonna get on there, too? Yeah. Well, she's not 80, Keith. I know that. <laughs> but can we just like just Throw get her, on, her a number one? Just get her a number one. <laughs> I mean, Drake and Madonna have shared a stage together. That's not <laughs> memorably. I don't, I, memorably is the key word. All right, we're going to move on. <laughs> Lastly, Beyonce's new single "Break My Soul" from her upcoming album Renaissance, which is out, which is due out on July 29th, debuts from a partial week of activity as the track jumps in at number 15 on the Hot 100, number four on Hot Dance Electronic Songs number nine on hot R&B hip-hop songs, and number four on hot R&B songs. It's also on a bunch of other charts. I'm just picking Mm -hmm, out mm -hmm. the four kind of biggest charts. Yeah. On the Hot 100, Break My Soul is Beyonce's 65th chart entry and 40th top 40 charting hit. By the way, the Hot Dance Electronic Songs chart is wild this week. (laughs) Yeah. Drake has numbers one through three, five through eight, and number 10. Beyonce is number four, and the only non-Drake Beyonce cut in the top 10 is Cold Heart, the Panal remix, 
by Elton John and Dua Lipa, which falls from number one to number nine, thanks to Drake and Beyonce. And it could look like that for the foreseeable future because Drake's streaming strength is not going to die down immediately. And then Beyonce rolls in with a full album on July 29th. Yes. It's (laughs) the answer is yes. The answer is yes. It's like. Um, this kind of came up in conversation earlier today when we were talking about like, oh my God, like, you know, the sort of, um, like, uh, the, let me step, step, step this back. Roll this the, back. Some, some in the industry are heralding like the return of dance. And that's cool. <laughs> but it's kind of like when you say, oh my God, the country, country numbers are like country music numbers are up like a hundred percent this quarter. I'm like, yeah, because Taylor Swift did a re-record because and it's categorized Fearless as country. Because came out. Yeah, right. exactly. Or, yes. you know, if, if some outlier superstar, like last year, CD sales in America were up for the first time and who knows since forever. Well, Adele put out an album and she sells CDs a lot. You know where I saw CDs this weekend? I was really excited. Where? I went to a Barnes and Noble, and they oh. had a whole display. The one of, in Marina Del Rey. Um, yes, actually, yeah. it's not our normal Barnes and Noble, but that is the one we went to. There's like two in the Los Angeles well, area. Well, the one, one that them. we go to is on Rosecrans, which I think is technically in Manhattan Beach because it's on the south side of Rosecrans yeah. versus okay. El Segundo. Anyway, we were there. Anyway, um, we were there, and there was a Harry Styles, Harry's house, uh, like cardboard uh, display, stand up, stand up display oh, with wow. CDs in it. I was very excited. Was there vinyl in it too? No, nope, no vinyl. Maybe that sold. All the vinyl. There was only CDs in it. Did you Did you buy any music while you were there? I didn't. I was there to. Uh, we've decided it's kind of a great place to go uh, children's birthday party shopping, because if you can't find a toy you like, books are great presents for kids, and hmm. it's like a. It feels better than going to Target every time we have to buy a gift. So it's there you have it. You An can, insight into my life. You can you can uh, you can go uh, 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 give money to another chain. Yeah, well, I mean, it just feels a little better. Feels a little bit supporting, better. I like that there are two Barnes & Nobles that I can go into still. You're supporting brick-and-mortar yes. booksellers. Yes, Um Though you could always support independent booksellers, too. That's true, but... Uh, to I'm be, shaming you for some no, reason. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing, it like, one step better than Target, two steps better than Amazon. <laughs> Trust me, I wish... There used to be a Barnes & Noble on the promenade in Santa Monica. Poof, gone yeah. a couple years ago. That was they, a big one, too. That was a huge one. Yeah. And there used to be one at the West Side Pavilion, which was a mall, like a big mall. Oh, what's even going on there anymore? It's turned into Google. Oh, cool. That's why. It used I haven't be, been there in five years. It used to be years. a mall that was anchored by Macy's <laughs> and Nordstrom. And a wonderful uh, theater, the yeah. which also which RIP. closed down. Yeah, so Archlight. That, so Arch, the, Archlight? Am I saying that? Arclight. 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 I'm like, closed. why does that sound wrong? So the mall itself was anchored by Macy's and Nordstrom, and that whole entire building <laughs> is now Google. I had no idea. They haven't opened it yet, but it's it's okay. drive by. It's wild. Oh, I actually did recently, and I was looking like, where is anything? Where's the furniture store? Where's whatever? Yeah, yeah, all gone. And the thing across the street, because this mall used to be connected to a sort of a satellite building across the street, and in that building was where the amazing ArcLight movie mm. theater was, which I loved. And inside there was a three-story. Barnes and Noble, and that Barnes and Noble closed and turned into a furniture store. Ah, uh, that's the see. I knew it as the furniture store. That Barnes and Noble was amazing. Oh, it just sucks that so many of them have closed. And I think right now, with how well vinyl is doing, it could have they could have had a resurgence. Maybe I'm loving the one on Rosecrans. It's massive. Just FYI, if anyone needs a Barnes and Noble, this uh, and <laughs> sh- is in the LA area. The show is not sponsored by Barnes and <laughs> Noble, not, but, but we're happy not. to have it sponsored by <laughs> Barnes and Noble if you'd like. You know someone else who's popular on vinyl. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Taylor Swift. That's the one. That's the one. 
So on Friday, Taylor finally released the full version of her new song, Carolina, which she wrote alongside Aaron Dustner for the film adaptation of Where the Crawdads Sing. Fans got their first taste of the song back in March when the film's trailer came out. So they've been waiting. They've wanted this full thing, and it, it just dropped on Friday. Um, and while this is far from the first time that Swift has contributed an original song to a film, it could be the first time that she scores an Oscar nomination. Shockingly, for the awards darling that is Taylor Swift and the amount of film songs she's created, no noms yet. Hmm. So three of her songs have previously been nominated for a Golden Globe. Most recently, Beautiful Ghost from Cats in 2020, hmm. plus Safe and Sound featuring the Civil Wars from The Hunger Games in 2013, and Sweeter Than Fiction from One Chance in 2014. But never an Oscar nomination. What is one Chance? That was that one about Paul Potts from... Uh, <laughs> From uh, America's Britain's got, got or Britain's, Britain's got, got talent. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm let me make sure I'm not speaking, you know, incorrectly, but that's what I remember. One chance film. Yeah. It's a British American biographical film about opera singer and Britain got Britain's got talent winner Paul Potts. Does it star Paul Potts? Well, I it's yeah, oh no, I don't it's somebody playing Paul Potts. And she wrote an original song. Yes. Yeah. And I kind of remember somebody like Simon Cowell produced it, which of course, um James Corden starred in it. Not as Paul Potts, I oh, don't I think. Say, or maybe as he Paul was. Potts? Now that I say that, you no, know, he totally played Paul Potts wow. in the year twenty fourteen. Good grief. Th- twenty thirteen actually. The film got Gee, the I award if James nomination. James Corden got a Golden Globe nomination for that movie. Yeah, so that was a thing. All right, that was that a happened. thing. Um, yeah, so one chance. Going back, though, um, Keith, like, we've both listened to Carolina, and I, yes. I we spoke briefly about it, and, and one thing that we can both agree on, I think, is that it, it's very uh, folklore, Evermore-esque. Evermore. Yes? Yeah. Yeah, which, I mean, was obviously a successful formula for her at the Grammys. She won Album of the Year with Folklore. Yeah, and nominated for Album of the Year forevermore. Yeah, so um, it feels well, like it could be awards bait. I I personally was disappointed um, in the track that that I didn't hear a choir of crawdads on it. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I felt like that was uh, false advertising. It's okay. very misleading. But speaking of the crawdads, um, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the I'm gonna this this I circling back this segue to the crawdads makes sense. But speaking of those crawdads, um. You know, this is a, an adaptation of a very popular book, and we don't know yet. Um, the movie just came out. What the reception is going to be to this film at other awards shows at, you know, like we've got, you know, Toronto coming up, uh, Venice coming up in August, September. I feel like that's probably going to be it's going to say a lot about Taylor's chances if the film yeah. is embraced like as a whole. Absolutely. Right? If the if the if the film because the 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 song depending on how the song is used in the film yes. and how the film itself is received, if this becomes like kind of an awards magnet or, you know, if if there's like one key performance or one something or make maybe adapted screenplay, like if, if it becomes like an awards juggernaut, then maybe the song continues to sort of ride along with it. Or, of course, all that said, the song could become a fluke hit yep. on its own. Yeah. We don't know. I mean, Taylor Swift is works in mysterious ways. Yes, we won't find out until next week where this song places on our charts, for instance. There's obviously a lot of fervor for it, as there is in everything else Taylor right. Swift land. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned that she has had a lot of film songs. Aside from the Globe nominees that I mentioned already, here are her other soundtrack songs that have been 
eligible for the Oscar, according to our awards editor, Paul Grine. However, we don't know if they were submitted for the Oscars, but these were original songs written for movies. Right. We have I Don't Want to Live Forever, which uh, she performed with Zane from Fifty Shades Darker. That was the sequel which, as we were talking about earlier as well, uh, The Weeknd and Ellie Goulding both got awards love for Fifty Shades of Grey, their their soundtrack songs. Right. And that soundtrack was a huge um, blockbuster hit, but did not see the love on the second time around. Uh, we have Only the Young from her own documentary, Miss Americana. She made an original song for that film release. We had Crazier from Hannah Montana, the movie. Obviously an awards magnet, I'm sure Hannah Montana was. <laughs> Anyway, um, maybe at the Disney, like Radio Disney Awards or something that could have been successful, sure. but maybe not Oscars. Uh, today was a fairy tale from Valentine's Day, which also popped back up uh, during the Fearless re-recording, Taylor's version, right. because it was written in that same era. Um, so that was a, a bonus track on like a deluxe edition or whatever yeah. from one of the original Red, or no, let me try it again. From the original Fearless uh, release. Right. And then we have Eyes Open, also from The Hunger Games, same era as Safe and Sound. The first The Hunger Games movie? Yeah. Okay. And then finally, we had Jump, Then Fall, also from Valentine's Day. Yes. It's uh, funny. I just put up my fingers as if I'm trying to be a tribute um, from <laughs> The Hunger Games. This, the, those six songs you just mentioned— Plus the three Globe nominees. A Beautiful Ghost from Cats, Safe and Sound, and Sweeter Than Fiction from One Chance. So nine original songs, and now Carolina. Carolina, which Which comes to ten. Has been positioned very clearly as written specifically for this. That means she has up to ten—no, ten songs that we assume nine definitely were at least eligible for the Oscars— we don't know if all of them were ever submitted. Yeah, we know Carolina will be. And we assume that the Golden Globe nominees were submitted for Oscar contention as well. We assume. Yes. And I didn't mention uh, in talking to Paul, there are a couple of songs that she has done for film that would definitely not be eligible because, uh, for instance, we had Wildest Dreams, Taylor's version. Our very first taste of the 1989 re-record came out in Spirit Untamed, uh, which is an animated film from a year back, which actually starred the voice of Jake Gyllenhaal, which people loved making that connection as well. That's interesting. And then finally, we had McCavity from Cats, which is uh, in the original Broadway musical. So another one that would not be eligible. The trick for the Academy Awards is that the songs in the best... We're talking about... If Taylor can get nominated for Best Original Song at the Oscars. Yes. And in order yeah, I guess we didn't even say the category. My no, bad. No. My bad. Um, but in order to be nominated for Best Original Song, the song has to be written specifically for the film. Yeah. It can't be a cover of some previously existing work. It can't be a song that you didn't that you just contributed to it that is some leftover. It has to be specifically made for that movie. Yep. Um, you're not just going to tack on some hit of yours into a movie and try to get an Oscar off of it. All, what's what's kind of sweet with this one, specifically with Carolina, she wrote a whole Instagram post about uh, when she you know, started writing this song. She started writing this by herself after reading the book. Like, I think not knowing whether it would one day be made into a movie. And then she went back with those lyrics with Aaron Dessner and wrote this song when the move when they were approached by the movie. So the movie people approached her? 
It sounds like it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, is, that's not surprising, so, is so it? Is Reese Witherspoon in the film? I don't know if she's in it. She produced it, though. But uh, isn't Reese and Taylor kind of like friendly? I would imagine Reese, the first call she makes is to Taylor Swift in this case. Or maybe when Reese gets the rights to create the movie, Taylor's like, FYI, Reese, I'm a huge fan of this book, right? Like, yeah, maybe they just. Or their managers or whoever maybe talks. Maybe they're just kibitzing on the side. Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of crazy how Taylor has written so many songs for films and so far none of them have had the stars align to get nominated for an Oscar especially like Hunger Games and the Fifty Shades ones because those seem like the most kind of obvious yeah Safe and Sound again Safe and Sound sort of predicts the sound that Taylor Swift ended up going toward yeah um, because that Safe and Sound could have been on Folklore. Like, it is definitely, like, kind of a haunting, folk, acoustic vibe. Um, and it was a it was a minor, like, hit song, too. Yeah. So it kind of had all the elements that typically you think the Academy would go for. I think, I think it's hard just because this category— I think, one, the Academy has changed so much in, like, the past 10 to 15 years in terms of how, like, what the voting body is and yes. how it's become a lot more diverse lately. Yes. And specifically, the best song category has changed. Every few years, they change how they select and nominate things. So, for, yeah, I mean, it, from how many songs each film can can, can yes. put out, out, like, yeah. I mean, look at what happened with Encanto. I mean, Hunger Games had a, other songs in the soundtrack, yeah. so maybe they wanted to submit other songs. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well. Like Jennifer Lawrence's The Hanging Tree. <laughs> that no, I don't think that that actually was like that was actually based in the book. on yeah lyrics in the book. Oh wait, does that not count for a book ad- or an adaptation? I, don't Ugh, I actually don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll Watch just... Taylor's Instagram post like makes her ineligible for Carolina <laughs> because she wrote it about the book, not about the movie. Hmm. <laughs> this whole this whole be show. Be what is, you say, Taylor. This whole show is like pointless now. Yeah. Right. Um, well, it will be interesting to see. It, let's say let's say the song is eligible. Yes. And let's say Taylor gets an Oscar nomination. Yes. One, that's just pretty freaking cool. Yes. Um, two, could that mean that Lady Gaga and Taylor Swift, because Lady Gaga has Ooh. the Top Gun Maverick track, "Hold My Hand." Ooh. What if Taylor and Gaga are both nominated for Oscars yes. in the same year in the and same category? Yeah, we were talking a little bit about the Gaga song because obviously we did a whole show about this back in the day, right? When the song first came so out, many moons ago, like two months ago. But since then, <laughs> the film has come out and been like a like the first true like post COVID blockbuster, basically. Absolutely, and so. I think that, and and I think we talked about this earlier, but like, it will p- likely do well in like technical awards, potentially like sound, you know, yeah, sound editing, et cetera. Effects. So that could help. That could boost this Lady Gaga song. Also, it's three-time Academy Award nominated and Oscar winner Lady Gaga. Yes, who has yes some so, some pedigree so, to her name. Wow, what else will be nominated? Well, we'll have to think about this in the coming months. Anyways, just enjoy the Taylor Swift song. In, yeah, New in the Taylor meantime, Swift. And enjoy your uh, a fresh taste of Taylor Swift before whatever re-record comes next. I'm guessing post-Beyonce mm. at, at the earliest. We'll see. All right, well, now it's time for the chart stat of the week. Well, 20 years ago this week, Beyonce made her solo debut on Billboard's charts as Work It Out debuted on the Bubbling Under Hot R&B Hip Hop Songs chart. 
The track, which was recorded for the film in which she co-starred Austin Powers in Goldmember, premiered on the now-defunct list dated June 29th, 2002 at number 19. The cut would eventually top out at number four on this particular chart. It found more success on the Dance Club Songs chart, where it peaked at number 11 on the September 14th, 2002 dated list. Now, while Work It Out wasn't an incredibly successful single chart-wise, it did pave the way for the song that most people remember as Beyonce's first big splash as a soloist. 03 Bonnie and Clyde featuring Jay-Z, which hit multiple Billboard charts in October of 2002 and peaked at number four on the Hot 100 that December. All told, as a soloist, Beyonce has gone on to score 18 top tens on the Hot 100, six of which reached number one, and on the Hot R&B Hip Hop Songs chart, she's claimed 28 top tens, of which eight have gone to number one. So there you have it. 20 years ago this week, Beyonce made her Billboard chart debut as a solo artist with Work It Out. We have reached the end of our show. Katie, any parting words? Well, that just took me on a little, you know, time capsule back to... 2002 because I remember when Work It Out came out and it was like like you said it's it was a a solid pop song but I really liked it and I liked the remixes not the biggest hit no. right and that same year was when Nelly put out Dilemma featuring Kelly Rowland which spent 10 weeks at number one on mm-hmm. the Hot 100 mm-hmm. and I remember I know where you're going with this well I just remember thinking Kelly's gonna be the 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 like star out of Destiny's Child. Like I literally had that thought in my yes twenty year old brain that that was going to be like how this all worked out historically. <laughs> Just this is this was what I thought at the time because they were like contemporaneous and you saw how one did and how the other did. And then Beyonce ended up doing what Beyonce did. Yeah, I mean because everyone knew and assumed Beyonce was going to be the pop star that she became. Right. Like, it was just, like, preordained. But initially... Yeah, it felt like Kelly might have the juice. And you know what? To be fair, Kelly has had a solid career. And Dilemma... She's doing She obviously has the juice. And, uh, like, Dilemma was such a massive hit, but it was also, like, a combination of things. Like, Nelly was at his absolute, you know, peak at that point. You know what one of my favorite Kelly Rowland tracks is? What's that? I mean, we're talking about Beyonce. Yes. Side. <laughs> the uh, When Love Takes Over oh, track. David Guetta, right? Oh, I love God. that song. That song. Her it, vocal on Exactly. That. It's perfect. <gasps> yeah, so Kelly clearly has had an amazing post-Destiny's Child career as well. Yeah. But like, and everything shook out to yes. Beyonce became Beyonce. At the time, though, people were like, wow, this is unusual. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. So and, I was not alone then. Yeah. But can, we, can, we get, can we get a reunion? Can we get all three of them to come back? Can we I, do something together? Yes. I think that that will happen. I honestly do. I feel like the three of them are like in actual life friends. Yeah, we talked and about so, this yes. a few weeks ago. Yes. Okay. So what song should we go out on now that we've just rambled about Beyonce well, and Kelly? I was going to say Dilemma originally, but then you brought up When Love Takes Over. So now I want to hear that. It's funny. We did a whole chart set about Beyonce. It's all about Beyonce coming back to the charts, but we're going to go out on a Kelly Rowland song. I think even Beyonce would love to hear When Love Takes Over. Who wouldn't want to hear When Love Takes Over? All right. See you guys next time. Bye. When love takes over.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.